setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. As many of you know, I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. I also pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times. Today we'll chat with Danielle Keene, political director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. We'll also have a new segment on self-compassion in the art of activism. Cannabis radio fans all know that the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws has been working for decades to improve cannabis policy. One of their newest hires is political director Danielle Keene. Danielle left Florida State with a couple of degrees, worked in the admirable nonprofit world helping children, and then let her longing for cannabis reform spread to her job at Normal. Danielle, welcome to Burning Issues. Thanks so much for having me, Mitch. Sure thing. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. You pretty much covered a good bit of it. I am from Florida. I went to school at Florida State University. I did my undergraduate degrees in political science and sociology, and I decided to go back to school after that and uh, get my master's degree in applied American politics and policy. It was during that time that I worked for a group called the Children's Campaign in Tallahassee, Florida, where I really dove into some juvenile justice issues, and I specifically worked on a bill related to expungement of records for minors. So, yeah. Wow, thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. My old days at the Manchester School for Delinquent Boys are no longer on the record. (laughs) So can you remind us what NORML is all about? Yeah, of course. So NORML, National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, is a political advocacy group based out of Washington, D.C., that works to legalize marijuana for adults. That's superb. And then what exactly does a political director do? Yes, good question. The political director position encompasses quite a lot. I think a lot of people who are familiar with NORML kind of expect the organization to be really large, and we definitely are in terms of our reach and our number of supporters. But I think people are surprised to learn that we only have six full-time staff members. So I do a lot of our legislative tracking work, and I work to manage our PAC, our political action committee. But in addition to all of the political stuff, I fill in here and there with helping the office run smoothly. We're super grateful, and I assure you the board is super grateful as well. (laughs) I Curious, is there a prohibitionist argument you get a lot, or once people know where you work, do you hear the same arguments over and over? You know, not too much anymore. When people find out what I do and a lot of the calls that we receive, it's really everyone's very supportive of the cause and for legalizing marijuana for adults. So that was probably one of the most surprising things that I've learned since being in this position is that, you know, the hard part is largely over and convincing people isn't 
a huge part of our job anymore. It's convincing the lawmakers. From your mouth to God's ear, man, that's such a delight. And 10 years ago, I'll tell you, things were different. When my book, Understanding Marijuana, came out, people would come and whisper in my ear that they were on my side, but that was about as good as it got. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So can you tell us a little bit about the situation there in the District of Columbia? Yes. So the District of Columbia, are you asking about D.C. specifically or Congress? Exactly. The cannabis laws there seem different from a lot of places. Yes. So good question. D.C. is in a really, really unique situation. For those that don't know, Washington, D.C. did vote to legalize the adult use and possession of recreational marijuana in 2014. But because D.C. has a unique relationship with Congress, Congress must approve D.C.'s local budget every year. So unfortunately, for the past two years since Washington, D.C. voted to legalize recreational marijuana, Congress has included a rider in the annual budget that prohibits the district from implementing a recreational market for marijuana. So while it is legal to consume and to possess and to grow marijuana here, it is unfortunately illegal to sell or purchase, and there are no storefronts available for people to go in for recreational purposes. Now, something actually very interesting just recently happened a couple weeks ago. Last week, a D.C. Superior Court upheld the Local Budget Autonomy Act of 2012, which was something that 82% of D.C. voters approved of in the spring of 2013. And so far, D.C.'s Attorney General and Chief Financial Officer have not said that they will appeal that ruling. So what this essentially means is that instead of having to wait for Congress to appropriate funds to D.C., the budget will simply be reviewed in the same way as every other law passed by the D.C. Council. So the appropriations rider that has blocked the council from making any improvements to D.C.'s marijuana policies will expire in September of this year, and theoretically after that, D.C. will be able to implement a recreational market if they wish to. Oh, I know a lot of folks on the D.C. board, and that's going to be a very interesting time. Do you get the sense that everybody has a closet with a few plants or that people are just getting together to trade since they can't actually purchase? I think it's a combination of the two. I've definitely heard of more people growing their own than I think has previously obviously been known. But definitely the seed sharing and clone sharing has absolutely taken off. A lot of local groups that support the cause have really rallied behind the law change despite there not being a market in place and have really tried to share all of their resources and knowledge with each other as best they can. Well, I got to admit, up here in New York, we certainly envy your situation and look forward to some improvements there. Are there any state initiatives right now that you're particularly excited about? Yes, absolutely. It's actually a really exciting time right now for many states. California, Arizona, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada are all in the midst of collecting the required number of signatures in their respective states in order to make the ballot in November, and all of those are for the recreational use of marijuana by adults. Out of those, California is probably, arguably, the most important state to move towards full legalization simply because of its size and influence over the rest of the country and its 
history and progressive marijuana policies. If California were to legalize it, it would really set the pace for continuing reforms around the country. I think people are quite unaware, in fact, just how big California is. So right now, Canada is struggling with certain cannabis laws, but making a lot of progress. And there are markedly more people in California, actually, than the entire country. It's bigger than a whole lot of places. And that alone would be a huge improvement to see. Are there aspects of that bill that you think are particularly intriguing? So it's a pretty, it's a very comprehensive initiative. Normal has come out and endorse what is known as AUMA, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which is actually just one initiative of many that is being circulated right now. It's probably the one with the most financial backing and the most one that has worked with all of the interests on the table. A lot of people have come together to create this initiative. For people that don't know, California did already try to legalize recreational marijuana in 2010 with Proposition 19, but it unfortunately failed. And that happened for a number of reasons. California, as everyone knows, has been pretty liberal with their marijuana policies. And because of that, they have a very unique set of interests. So there are a lot of people that don't really want to see anything change in the state. So in order to get this AUMA initiative kind of formed and up and running, it's really taken a lot of conversations with a lot of different groups of people to make sure that as many people as possible can have their interests heard. It's, it sounds like a complicated but intriguing set of issues. I do have to pause for the cause now because there are flaws in the laws, as my cannabis radio brother Vivian McPeak would say. But we'll be right back with more on the state initiatives on burning issues with Normal's political director, Danielle Keene. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Boober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
time to fan the fire on some more burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Normal's political director, Danielle Keene. We were discussing the ins and outs of some of the California laws that might be up for a vote soon. Are there any other states that you feel like are, are worth mentioning in the upcoming election? Not so much in the upcoming election. Obviously, the ones that I've already mentioned would be the big ones to be looking at come November. I do want to take a moment to highlight Vermont, which is not trying to legalize recreational marijuana through a ballot initiative, but rather is right now considering a bill to legalize the adult use of recreational marijuana. And this is important for a couple reasons. So far, we've seen four states and the District of Columbia legalized marijuana through ballot initiatives. But for a number of states, that's just not an option. The only way to get policy changes are through the legislature. And so Vermont is really leading the pack in that way. They're considering Senate Bill 241 to legalize recreational marijuana for adults. And right now that is being considered by their House of Representatives. It has already made it through the Senate and It faces an uphill battle in the House, specifically where it is right now in the House Judiciary Committee. So if you're in Vermont and you're paying attention, definitely try and reach out to your lawmakers and express your support for this legislation because Vermont is definitely poised to become the first state to legalize marijuana through the legislature rather than the ballot initiative, which is important. No, it's just astounding, really, when you think about it, that these are states that really don't pass laws by bringing it all to the individual people. It just goes to their representatives. And so this would be a first step and could be a, a great model for a whole lot of states that are in this same predicament. I'm right. curious, do you have any sense for the federal proposals right now? I know uh, all my friends who are pals of Bernie were saying he was going to try to make this a, a big federal issue. Yes, so you are right. Bernie Sanders did introduce probably the most progressive piece of marijuana legislation that has been introduced on the federal level this session, and that is the Ending Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act of 2015. The bill would deschedule cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act altogether, similar to alcohol and tobacco, and it would provide states the power to establish their own marijuana policies and banking policies free from federal interference. With that being said, however, it's a very, very progressive piece of legislation, and I think we all know that, unfortunately, even not-so-progressive pieces of marijuana-related legislation just, unfortunately, don't get considered at the federal level. Sad but true. Sad but true. I I heard there aren't even any co-sponsors yet. Is that your understanding? Unfortunately, there are no co-sponsors, but I think it was just an action on Bernie Sanders' part to kind of back up his campaign positions that he came out with in terms of marijuana policy, which are definitely appreciated and they have not gone unnoticed. But in terms of real policy change on the federal level, it probably won't mean much. There are more federal bills related to marijuana being introduced this year than there ever have been before, which is great. But unfortunately, the real action that we see on the federal level isn't with standalone bills. It's rather amendments to budget bills, and that comes up every year. 
We're actually coming up on appropriation season right now. And so what happens is a lot of these standalone bills related to marijuana policy, the language from those will get tacked on to these large omnibus appropriations bills that must be voted on and must be passed. And that's where we've seen the most progress on the federal level in terms of marijuana policy. And so we'll be going through those negotiations in the coming months. In the previous years, the amendments that have been approved and passed are related to prohibiting the Department of Justice from interfering in states that have legalized medical marijuana, similarly doing that same thing for states that have legalized recreational marijuana, and also an amendment that is related to the VA and allowing VA physicians to recommend medical marijuana to patients. So these amendment votes are very important because it really forces members to vote yes or no on legislation that's related to marijuana. That's just supreme progress when I think about where we were even just a couple of years ago. I want to remind listeners that the way scheduled drugs work Right now, cannabis is Schedule 1, meaning it has no approved medical use and a high abuse potential, which I know sounds laughable given the data that we've already seen published. And then it goes all the way down to Schedule 5, but we'd really like to get it off that whole scheduling thing completely. It would be a great step forward as far as researchers are concerned. It would be much, much easier to gather more data on this. And Danielle, I'm curious, uh, the recent Supreme Court stuff with states suing other states about their cannabis laws could... You give us a lowdown on that? Yes. So a couple of states surrounding Colorado tried to bring a case against Colorado saying that their legalization of marijuana has had an adverse effect on their own criminal justice system, saying that they're now having to use more police and other resources to stop the flow of marijuana from Colorado into their own states, and luckily the Supreme Court just ruled to not take that case up, which was a big win for us. What a relief. Do you have a sense for which presidential candidates might be the most friendly to our cause? Yes. So it's a good thing now that a couple of the candidates are no longer running, specifically Chris Christie and Marco Rubio. Those were the two lone wolves that came out pretty hard against marijuana legalization, and those are the ones that kind of threatened to change federal policy in terms of leaving states alone that have chosen to legalize marijuana. Luckily, all of the other candidates have largely come out in favor of states' rights, which is a relatively easy position for them to take, just saying that they would continue the trend that President Obama has set in place, and that is to leave states alone and to not interfere with the decisions that they've made. Man, I've never thought I'd be quite the advocate of states' rights that I've become. (laughs) So a bunch of my undergraduates would like to get a job like yours, and I'm curious what you might recommend that they do. Yeah, good question. So when I was an undergraduate myself, I was, like I mentioned, learning political science and sociology information, which was really interesting to me at the time. However, it was kind of hard for me to really relate it back to the real life. So I was really grasping for some sort of policy change that 
I cared about on a personal level and that I wanted to get involved with. And so it was at that time that I I decided that marijuana law reform was something that I was interested in. It was related to what I was learning. And so I did my research and I, I looked up organizations that were working on those kinds of policies. And of course, normal, I had already known about, so I went to them first. I called the office, asked if they were accepting summer interns, and of course they are, and we still are. I was lucky that I was able to basically pay out of my own pocket to move up to D.C. for three months of that summer and intern full-time for the organization. Uh, But it was the best decision I ever made. I was able to meet the staff, figure out what goes on in the office on a day-to-day basis, and it really solidified my interest in marijuana policy reform. So I guess my advice to them is to really identify what they want to do specifically, identify the organizations that are already working on those policy changes, and call them and see how you can help them. And if you're able, really try and get involved as much as you can because it's definitely the relationships that you make doing that that I think leads to more opportunities. That's super. Hey, could you point everybody towards the website before we go? Absolutely. It is normal.org. And if you want to take action on specific legislative reforms, it's normal.org slash act. Hey, we've been having a great time with Danielle Keene, political director at Normal. And we'll be right back with our next chapter of Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. Please stay tuned. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. 
I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other in an effort to support the Cannabis Crusade. Hey, we usually focus on some aspect of self-care, but I want to take it up a notch. I'd like to introduce the idea of exquisite self-care. Yes, we're all alive and kicking. Now's the time to make sure we're pampered a bit. First and foremost, let's clean house in our own minds. We've talked before about maladaptive thoughts. Hey, we can upset ourselves by letting that little voice in our heads interpret things, often in the worst way possible. Lots of folks tend to pay attention to their own faults, but easily forget all their strengths. It can start a vicious cycle. Thinking maladaptive thoughts is sometimes kind of automatic. As we've mentioned before, we don't have to believe everything we think. And it's particularly true with maladaptive thoughts. I feel like if we can break down the maladaptive thoughts, we've got a chance to dispute them or at least push them aside easier. One of the most common of these is dichotomous thinking. That's just a fancy word for all or none, black or white, yes or no extremes. These are ubiquitous invitation to misery. In truth, our planet is in glorious but messy color. So don't let that fact stymie you. Rarely is the world completely one thing or its opposite. We all do this, so let's be gentle with ourselves about doing it. But by all means, recognize a dichotomous thought when you think it. Dichotomous thoughts usually include words like always or never or every or none. And thoughts with words like best and worst can lean this way too. Lots of bad moods and troublesome acts rest on dichotomous thinking. One of my favorite dichotomous thoughts came from a client of mine at the VA hospital back in the day. He said, second best is the same as last. Can you imagine how a thought like that could turn anything dour? Second best is silver medal. Second best is amazing. It's not the same as last at all. We have to wonder, where did this kind of thinking come from? I'm not sure where to point fingers first, but institutions that seek to control people like us often rest on manufactured dichotomous distinctions. You know, black and white, evil and good, right and wrong, and we're all familiar with legal and illegal. But I even have to be careful with healthy, unhealthy, adaptive, maladaptive, correct, incorrect. These kind of distinctions may be more manufactured than real. Artificial dichotomies like these can distort our minds to the point where personal preferences get confused with a demand. These thoughts create distress by leading us to think in musts instead of coulds. Legendary psychologist Albert Ellis dubbed these musturbation. Makes it easier to remember. Suddenly, actions we could take become actions we must take because of some manufactured always or never or yes or no. Even the attempt to challenge them can get sucked into the same distortion. You can imagine having the thought, I must never have dichotomous thoughts. Perhaps these ideas seem minor at first, or deceptively self-evident, but they inspire acts as dramatic as suicide bombings, or as disheartening as a life spent in thoughtless toil. Hey, throw a rock in government, religion, or academia, and you're bound to hit the result of some must, should, or ought that came from some dichotomous thought. And do me a favor, throw the rock hard. So before something gets you down, ask yourself if it's really rational. Let's take a common dichotomous thought. I must be loved by everyone 
or else I should be sad. Note how the everyone has a sort of built-in all-or-none component, and the must is classic masturbation. So can I really support this thought? I must be loved by everyone? No, it's not rational. There's no law in the universe that says I have to be loved by everyone to be happy. In fact, I know some happy folks who have a lot of detractors. If I'm not loved by everyone but still have a close friend or two, I can be plenty happy. Even if someone who I think is super special is not a fan of me, I could still find enjoyment with my other pals, with work, with books, TV, fine dining, all our favorites. Yet, it might not be my preference, but no need to get depressed. I could even find it rewarding to teach myself to live happily without that person's fandom. And deep down, I know that thoughts are just like the weather. They come and go. My brain hops from one thought to another like a drunken monkey. No need to take any particular thought too seriously. Sure, I'll be sad when bad things happen, but I'm usually just a thought away from enjoying myself again. Hey, Mark Marin recently joked on his podcast that people skip the part where he talks by himself. It kind of hit me hard, so if you did listen to this chapter of Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism, shoot me an email at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420, the word research, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Burning Issues at CannabisRadio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio and good old iTunes. My hearty thanks to all the Cannabis Radio production wizards and our guest, Danielle Keen from the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.